Hello, and welcome back to Upon Revisiting. I'm Brandon. And I'm Will. And today we're going to talk about the TV show Scrubs. That's right, not a movie this time, folks. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, on this <laughs> podcast, anything is fair game, whether it be movies, television, video games. We might even do the news one time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, we're, this time we're doing the TV show Scrubs from, do you remember what year it started? 2001 i'm pretty sure 2001 all right and uh what station it was on nbc and did it change at all yeah towards the end we'll we'll talk about it all right <laughs> yeah so we're gonna go through we're not gonna go episode by episode or season by season we're just kind of kind of give a whole you know i don't know digestive whole overview of the whole overview thing. of the whole thing so i mean we're I'm no Superman. I can't can't do it. Season it's a season. it's a lot of it's a lot of episodes. There wasn't there eight legitimate seasons, and then you had the uh, the ninth season. That we'll we'll call it. I'm I'm I I have my own opinion of that, but again, we'll we'll That's get to the that. ABC. We want to at least get something out of this. Exactly. Season. Uh, yeah. So I guess starting off, I'll talk about how I kind of um, experienced this show for the first time. So uh, if you weren't alive or not. You know, paying attention to television in the early t- to late two thousands, which is the period from two thousand to two thousand and ten. Uh, this show came on. I want to say it was either I think it was seven to eight. It had like two episodes every night, seven to eight, I believe. I was on Comedy Central. Yeah, it, it was rerunning on Comedy Central, and that's how I experienced it. I was able mm-hmm. to watch the entire series. Uh, on Comedy Central, and it just because like it, part of it was uh, it was when I got back from school, but it was also like while I was in college. That was essentially when all my classes were over. That was when practice was over for track, and it was just the nice thing that I did at the end of my day. Just you know, a nice, nice, fun, light show that I could laugh at, uh, but had you know some characters that I I I'd grown grown attached to. Um, but uh, what about you? How did you first experience it? I experienced it the same way, actually, watching it on Comedy Central. I was aware that the show existed, but the show also premiered when we were like 12 years old. Yeah. So I think it's a little young to get into a show. Not because the, the it's inappropriate. It's just, I think, that show's mixture of comedy and drama is not something you're really going to appreciate as a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. The thing that's interesting about the show to me is that that... The, or like the 2000s you see a, a shift in you know uh, comedy shows on television mm-hmm. like the 70s 80s 90s you have multi-camera sitcoms and you have single camera comedies becoming the dominant i guess the, the dominant way to, to, to make these things in the 2000s not that there aren't multi-camera sitcoms today but mm-hmm. um you have shows like arrested development the office parks and rec Modern Family, It's Always Sunny, all these shows that came after it. But at the beginning, the two shows I remember in particular were uh, Scrubs and Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, yeah. Malcolm in the Middle, I kind of changed the game there a little bit. Because that was another single camera comedy, too. Mm -hmm. And this one is similar. And it has has cheesiness to it. But Mm -hmm. where most sitcom shows feel like they're kind of winking at you. It's very stagey. Um laugh track scrubs is something that has a like the thing that appealed to me about scrubs is that the show has a really distinct sense of humor 
Yeah. It's a little bizarre, like in a good way. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's more bizarre than what you would normally see on a sitcom at that time. It's not some weird David Lynchian, and I don't get what's going on. It's but it's goofy, it's a little weird mm-hmm. and it has some really nice dramatic punches. Mm-hmm. Um and so I watched the show it was like our senior year in high school. Yeah. And um my sister got the first season on DVD, so we watched it that way a lot and uh I, I thought at the time that the show maybe was over because it was running in syndication. Mm-hmm. Um, but around that time, I think it was the last season that was airing on NBC. So towards the end, um, I started watching a lot of it by using iTunes. Hmm. Like something that you see a lot of these shows around the time that struggled. I think the, the best example is Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Because the way people are watching TV at that point is changing so much. You have DVR at the time, TiVo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you also have the fact that shows are now being sold through iTunes at that point, And then Hulu starts in 2007. And I think a lot of those studios at the time have these old stodgy, stiff people that have just been in the industry for like 20, 30 years who are still going by Nielsen ratings. Um, so I think... <clears throat> with scrubs the show from what i saw was initially pretty popular in its first two seasons but then the uh the ratings declined Mm -hmm. pretty rapidly as the show went on but i think a lot of that is not taking into account though that a lot of younger people are watching that show and they're not watching it by conventional means they're not tuning in at a specific time to watch the show yeah i feel like most younger people were catching the reruns like specifically on comedy central just because it was so like that was, I I don't know that I I didn't think it was necessarily a Comedy Central show, but like, I figured oh if it is gonna come back it'll probably come back on Comedy Central, which it didn't. Like it it, it it went back to primetime television, which is a good thing, because uh, then it got to have its last cut. Was it two or three seasons uh, that they had there? Like a season and a half. <laughs> yeah, and. Like, for me personally, like, I think at that point, once they, like, the show did come back, I was all caught up and I was able to watch it, you know, as it was airing. So, like, I, like, the play, the, the show has a kind of a special place for me because it was a nice escape from the, the busyness that was college at the time. And, like, I, I remember just having a lot going on and, like, I, like, I was starting a fraternity with my friends and everything. And, you know, I, I was living with my fraternity brothers, but, and there was so much noise going on all around us, you know, because we were just very busy. You had class, you had fraternity stuff. I had, I had like a sport as well. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to just kind of watch this and have everything just get quiet. Even like if somebody, if one of my roommates saw me watching it, like they would stop and sit down and watch it with me. It felt like the first cult TV show I got into. Yeah. It was a show that really, in the same way that, when we talked about in the last podcast, how I got into Kevin Smith, I got really mm-hmm. into this show as well. I, I liked the blend yeah. of genres. Mm-hmm. I liked the characters at the time. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little more. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, uh, like, there were, because a lot of Doctor shows did come after this. Like, there there was just that stint of, like, because you had Grey's Anatomy, you had House, mm-hmm. and you had these very serious dramatic doctor shows you had er before that too er yeah er i forgot about that and so it was not that it not that you know life in a hospital should be taking taken lightly but it was nice to kind of have this 
foiled to all those other shows where like and for me i experienced it after all those shows were already very much you know up and running or over at that point so to me this kind of came out of nowhere even though it was already around it had a lot of like the fun fantasy sequences like yeah. his daydreaming sequences a lot mm-hmm. of cutaway gags it felt like it it felt like it flowed better with the plot of the story than something like family guy where it mm-hmm. feels like the cutaway gags could be a little random yeah just like whatever they thought of on the spot mm-hmm. um i think the show i'm sure got like some big surge in popularity when it came out on comedy central but i think mm-hmm. by the time it had started it was not doing well on nbc and it, the thing that killed the show there was the writer's strike in 08 yep um i think the the, the unfortunate side effect of having writer's strikes is that a lot of shows are, are going to get cut um just because the network's losing money and they're they're not going to bring back stuff that's not profitable to them mm-hmm. I, I remember hearing some other thing not to get too off topic but it was with the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, when that show first started, I think it was after like the first or second season they did, there was a big writer's strike in the late 80s, mm-hmm. and they thought the show was just not going to come back. They just were like, I don't think that Paramount's going to bring us back. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Scrubs did get cut because of the writer's strike, which was kind of a shame because at that point the show the show was on its last leg at that point. I think it, it got to the point where they were probably going to wrap it up. Because mm-hmm. the seventh season of the show, when I was rewatching it this time, is only eleven episodes. Yeah, um, I remember it not did a full kind season. of end abruptly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that if they had been given the remaining episodes in their season, they could have found some way to wrap it up. But the show got canceled. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand. I'm not going to even pretend to understand the way that their business works. I, and I get that it's going to be more financial than creative decisions at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But to invest in a show for so long and not give it some sort of proper send-off seems a little cruel. Mm-hmm. And then ABC picked it up, and they picked it up for a full season, knowing full well that it was going to be the last one. I think a lot of the cast and crew wanted to move on at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did give the show the send-off that I think it deserved, especially after being on television for so long, to just be abruptly canceled. Like, well, yeah, that I would, I would cool. say like the the ABC season is is one of the better seasons, just because, like you mentioned, you mentioned this to me when you were kind of rewatching. It does get a little long in the tooth with how it kind of is a little bit repetitive in some of the things that it does. The show gets a lot sillier towards the end too, which yeah. I, I I don't mind it when it's in fits and starts if it's a little more balanced out. But I mm-hmm. think by season six and seven, when I was watching it this time, the show gets profoundly silly mm-hmm. at points where it's the characters are a little too annoying, the situations are a little too out there. You're getting a lot of like gimmicky episodes, and uh, I, I guess right now just to to do you know go over the reason why we did do this was um you know i watched the show when it came out um or i I watched the show when it ended and then i did not see the show again Mm -hmm. for probably 10 years i I, i've not when i rewatched this this was the first time i rewatched scrubs since the last season aired or i think i watched well so like yeah i guess what's your overall rating of it with your first like with rose rose-tinted 
glasses, all the bells and whistles, nostalgia. I have very similar Clerks-like opinions on it. Not to the extent <laughs> of it. Like, this is a great gateway cult show. Yeah. But I think about Arrested Development, for example, despite how mm-hmm. much I hate the latter two seasons. Yeah. I can still go back to those first three seasons anytime, and I have a lot. And even hmm. other shows like The Office and yeah. Parks and Rec, not even that. Those are, like, they have huge followings, but they're not... I wouldn't know if I'd consider them cult shows because so many people like them, but mm-hmm. those shows I can go to over and over again, even if the the quality declines in some of them. Like, I think It's Always Sunny is a great example. Like, that's a cult show. Yeah. But I could watch that show anytime. Yeah, you could, yeah. And Scrubs, watching it this time, because I, I watched it because last year you and Tori were watching it. Yeah. And I had not seen it in ages, but mm-hmm. I wasn't really watching it with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the first two seasons of the show are great. Mm-hmm. I think that the first season is the best the show ever was. And mm-hmm. that's my problem with Scrubs is that Scrubs never really evolves past what it is. Mm-hmm. So many of these shows grow, like the characters evolve, the jokes and the sense of humor are more fine tuned or they start doing different things. Scrubs never changes. It, even when the characters go through life-changing events, it seems like their personalities and the way that they interact with people and their relationships with the other characters never really change. Mm-hmm. So the show, because of that, just feels very repetitive, where the seasons kind of blend into each other. Um, I, I, you know, I think sometimes you can tell when there's a season finale and mm-hmm. another season begins, and with yeah. Scrubs, it would. I wouldn't notice until like two or three episodes like, oh, I'm in the, the third season now. That's fair. I Here's what I will actually say, and this is, things are going to get interesting after I say this. I think I both agree and disagree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I So the parts that I agree on, I do think it the seasons blend together. Like I just said, like, oh, season seven was one of the better seasons. But if I'm being honest, I wouldn't be, if you were to name a plot line of an episode, like maybe aside from the finale, I don't think I'd be able to tell you what season that was in. No. Um, but I do think it changes in very subtle ways just because the positions that certain characters have and like the different types of authority that they have. Like I will agree with you that the Dr. Cox JD relationship does not evolve. No. Ever. Um, and that gets frustrating. It, yeah. it just feels like, in the beginning of the show, you understand the dynamic of their relationship. That mm-hmm. JD is this new nervous doctor. He's gifted and he's skilled, but he's very insecure about himself. And yeah. he needs someone to be there for him. He needs a mm-hmm. mentor. And we find out about JD that his relationship with his parents isn't that great. His mm-hmm. relationship with his older brother is not great either. Yeah, There's definitely tension there. Mm-hmm. And there's issues that he has with them. He really has no mentor, no father figure, at least no strong father figure in his life. Yeah. Like he loves his father. It's mm-hmm. not that they have an awful relationship, but he doesn't look up to him. I think he sees him more as a friend mm-hmm. uh, than someone that he wants to emulate and be. And with Dr. Cox, that's like the first person that he truly wants to emulate for some reason, because Dr. Cox is a curmudgeon bitter man but he's yeah he's dr cox is essentially the doctor that he wants to be because dr cox in the show is presented as this very capable doctor like he has this very snarky witty attitude but he's kind of a dick to everyone with the exception of carla but he cares 
Uh, yeah, and but at the end of the day, he cares. And like any time he loses a patient, uh, it like destroys him. Like he's essentially out of the show for like a good two, three episodes. Yeah, every time he and like that's usually I think that's usually when you can tell it's a season finale is Dr. Cox loses a patient like that's pretty much the the season finale like template that they stuck by. He hates the establishment, too. He hates the fact that the trustees of the hospital and and Dr. Kelso, the Mm -hmm. chief of medicine, seem to be doing things only for financial gain. He really cares about his patients, but he has this very weird mentally and verbally abusive relationship with the interns yeah I mean, that's the one thing that i guess in more modern times i don't know if people are going to really be okay with the fact that he's not that not just like the fact that he's so mean to his interns but mm. that he calls jd girls names yeah um which is his recurring bit and he tries to explain the show he doesn't mean it as demeaning to women, but rather that JD is a little girl. I don't yeah. know if that makes it much better. Yeah, I don't. But, uh, I mean, it would make maybe in the, again, in the 2000s, but nowadays, yeah, that would definitely not fly. But no. getting back to the whole Kelso, Dr. Cox situation, I think that's kind of the first part that kind of, and when I say that the show evolves in subtle ways because of just the, the positions of characters that change, like Dr. Cox does eventually become... Uh, the chief of medicine because Kelso retires yeah. and it doesn't change much to be perfectly honest, but it does change some things like it does. It does because, because Dr. Cox moves up to that position, JD kind of becomes the new Dr. Cox, especially because Elliot goes into private practice. And mm-hmm. so she's not really a, an employee of the hospital anymore, even though they find ways to keep her there anyway, because they're too scared to, take that big of risk and change their show that much i like that he has an almost begrudging respect for kelso after that realizing that as much as he hated kelso and as evil Mm -hmm. and and it feels like seemed like thoughtless as kelso could be i think he realized that running a hospital is not easy and that you have to make tough calls and tough decisions and you have to be the bad guy Mm -hmm. and then they even like they even get to the point where they're able to have like lunch together and you know to talk as peers and like where they weren't able to do that before. So like I said, the the relationships change, but like it's never it's never groundbreaking the way the relationships change. Like No. You you'd think like we're we're sitting there chasing the carrot the whole show, like that one moment where, you know, Dr. Cox is finally gonna tell J D how he actually feels about him, how he actually respects him. But that doesn't really happen until the very last episode and it's kind of said to someone else and J D wasn't supposed to hear it, but he does. Yeah. Type of situation which is kind of a cop out just because it's like in my opinion and I've said this many times especially after watching this show uh the second time I wholeheartedly feel that JD as the main character doesn't work as well as it could have because he changes the least out of everyone on the show I with agree the exception with of that. like Elliot well, yeah, because we had talked, like, let's talk about J.D. and Elliot. Yes. Because J.D. is a very immature character. He's a, he's he's, a man-child. He's, yeah, he's he's childish. He constantly seeks the approval of others. He's has crippling insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, he still roommates with his best friend who's married. Yeah. He refuses to grow up, and it... 
it gets a little frustrating, especially when you see JD take on more responsibility in his life, seeing mm-hmm. him become a doctor, seeing him become a father. Mm-hmm. All these things happen, and it doesn't feel like it changed his character one bit. And it's like he's a very sensitive person. But he's and, also kind of narcissistic yeah. and self-obsessed. He reminds me too much of... He's a, a slightly... Slightly... <laughs> more likable version of Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother, where he sees himself yeah. as this romantic figure in his life, like a hopeless romantic, want to find the love of my life, want to accomplish my dreams, and I'm a great, wonderful person. When really it's like, no, you're a shallow person, and mm-hmm. you are impulsive, and you you do really like y- your impulsive nature makes you do really stupid things that really makes the audience turn on you yeah like he he'll because the whole obviously i think anybody listening to this knows how the show operates where jd like there's jd has a voice in his head that's always going and it's narrating everything he's doing and it's talking to the audience so he has these moments of you know just mental struggle where he's struggling with an issue and he doesn't know necessarily what to do or say in the situation but then you hear him kind of reasoning in his mind, and then he decides to just say or do the the absolute worst thing he can yeah. in that moment. And you know that he had the right choice in his mind because we heard him say it, but then he just chose to do something else just to hurt someone. Yeah. And, like, the first moment I can think of, and th- for some reason this is the one that really stuck with me because I think this is the first thing that turned me off about JD as a character It's when him and Elliot are up-and-coming doctors, and they're trying to get their stuff, and they're both trying to be the whiz kids. They're both trying to be Dr. Cox's right hand. And for some reason, you know, Elliot, has because she's super neurotic, she's used to just being in stressful situations. So when, you know, somebody... I I forget the the specific medical term, but um, when somebody's either coding or... I I think that actually might be what it is. When somebody, you know, is flatlining and they have to, you know rush and you know do cpr and get everything there's like seven different nurses around and they're you know they're 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 running a certain type of drip or whatever jd at that moment in the show is just not very good at handling those 10 situations but elliot is and he's frustrated by that and rather than ask her for advice or accept her advice she's she's constantly trying to help him the whole show because he he's there he was there to help her when she was struggling he he has this debate in his mind and then instead of saying thank you Elliot he says she asks him why can't you just accept my advice and he was like cuz you're supposed to be the one that screws up not me. Yeah. And it's like what what are you doing man? Yeah. What are you doing? I I just like cuz you brought up Elliot too and Elliot also is kind of the worst. Yeah, she sucks as well. As you mentioned she's very neurotic. She's more insecure than JD is, but on top of that Elliot I think at times can seem ignorant to the point of of just being thoughtless to like how other people feel about some of the decisions that she makes yeah is someone who likes to be in charge of domineering like you look at her relationship with keith on that show where she first off she's dating a subordinate yeah i don't think is is okay no and also that it's a a pretty controlling relationship like sexually emotionally like Mm -hmm. basically he's her lap dog like yeah. she likes being the alpha she likes having that power over him but jd and elliot both have the the same old sitcom will they won't they relationship that's going on to the entire course of the show mm-hmm. and 
they kind of end it early on because I feel like they get together and then they spend the entire second season with JD pining over Elliot, who's with Sean, who mm-hmm. it seems like she just kind of gloats about her relationship in front of everybody to a point where it's it's irritating. Yeah. So like if you knew someone who did that, like even if you weren't romantically interested in them, you still be like, okay, stop. Well, the thing about and Elliot then, to me, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. like I guess this bit is like, and then they have a point in the season where she cheats on Sean, this person who she mm-hmm. cannot stop talking about. Yeah, and then right after they cheat, Sean comes back by surprise, and Elliot acts like nothing happened, mm-hmm. and then they break up. And then they get back together, and JD, who for the whole season has been like, oh, I want to be with Elliot, finally has her. He's like, I don't want her anymore. Yeah. And then picks the worst time, which is like right before Turk and Carla get married, to tell her. And But it, he tells her after she says, I love you, and rather than, I, I'm not even saying he has to say I love you back, but rather yeah. than kind of handling it gracefully, he says, I don't love you. Yeah. It's like, which is a terrible thing to say also after thoughtless. that. Yeah. And... But yeah, like I was saying before, my thing about Elliot, that, and it's very confusing, is they try to make her both ditzy and book smart. Yeah. And it doesn't really work well because there's certain things that if she's a certain level of intelligence, she shouldn't just be ignorant about. One of my favorite lines from the show, and this is what Kelso says to her, and he was like, so I'm to understand you went through four years of undergraduate and four years of medical school. So you are at least eight. And I found that line amazing because she does have those moments where she just acts like a child. And it's very confusing because I think her character is supposed to have been like the top of her class. And her father's mm-hmm. a doctor who who's I think, a chief of medicine at another hospital. I think it's also, though, that Elliot comes from a very waspy, sheltered world. Yeah, I mean, she comes from money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, had two very rich parents, like a mother who was also abusive to her and that constantly yeah. criticized her and was for cold her looks. and distant. Yeah, like her mother criticized her for her looks and her father yeah. criticized her for her intelligence. So I think the show tries to explain her complete lack of social grace mm-hmm. by telling her that, you know, she grew up with just like two completely disconnected parents. It's probably someone who was raised by like nannies and, and, and the like. Um, but... Mm-hmm. They after that happens though she gets with JD's brother, yeah. But then it's also established that JD doesn't really care because he doesn't have feelings for her. Mm-hmm. And when they kind of conclude that relationship, I feel like you as the audience are like, yeah, like I I don't see it. I don't mm-hmm. need to invest in this anymore. But by the time we get to the end of the show, because both Elliot and JD have nobody in their lives, because who would be able to stand either of them? Yeah. It just feels like the show is like, well, you know, it's really too late to introduce any new characters for them to yeah. be with, so we might as well just have them end up together. And, you know, unlike something like How I Met Your Mother that we mentioned before, mm-hmm. where having Ted and Robin end up together at the end is insulting. Spoilers. Yeah. In this show, having JD and Elliot end up together, it's like, yeah, they, they both kind of deserve each other. They both suck. So. They, even even how they handle their last time when they get together, it's kind of like one of the situations where she... she I, I forget specifically the words that are said, but it is kind of similar to, 
uh, should we tell people we're together? And, like, I think JD's even kind of like, who cares? We're just together. Yeah. And it's like, so I think the show was even aware that no one really cares how that relationship pans out because they've both treated people so horribly that if anyone else besides each other were to end up with them, it would kind of really be sucky for whoever that individual is. I think they try to present both characters as being endearing because of their quirks. Like JD is a very nerdy, geeky person Mm -hmm. and it works sometimes, but most of the time he comes off as annoying and almost like unbelievably naive yeah about things like and like i i think part of that is like it's a comedy show like so they they do try to have fun with his emotions and i know we're sitting here talking in detail and super nitpicky with how this comedy show is portraying this fictional character but i mean again like it does try to go for those dramatic beats so there does need to be a little bit of consistency and some type of it's not as bad in the earlier seasons, though. Yeah. Even when JD can be a sillier, when him and Turk can be sillier, goofier characters, they're still grounded. Mm-hmm. There's a term that people use for sitcoms called flanderization, which is that you take a trait of a character and it just becomes more and more warped, and, yeah. and you're really focusing in on like this one particular idiosyncrasy of a character. So yeah. for JD, like his goofiness just gets really warped because I think the the term comes from the fact that like in early episodes of the Simpsons, Ned Flanders was just this kind of perfect neighbor. Mm-hmm. But then the show really, really leans heavily into the fact that he's a Christian to the point that mm-hmm. like they kind of just made his character an extreme rather than just like, Oh, he's just the perfect, this mm-hmm. overly perfect person. That's the perfect foil for someone like Homer Simpson. Okay. Yeah. Um, so now that we've, talked about our least favorite characters uh what's your what's your favorite character on the show turk turk <laughs> and the I, janitor but we'll get we'll the, get yeah that. yeah the janitor is pretty awesome to um, me it's like the the relationship between the janitor and jd is similar to the one of dr cox not in the sense that jd looks up to the janitor but they have a very adversarial relationship yeah the difference being though is that one is so comical because the janitor antagonizes JD so much yeah. that it works. I think he makes JD's character more interesting in general. Yeah. Um, I would say my favorite character, it's between... I do like the janitor. I didn't even think about that until you yeah. really brought it up. Uh, my, it, It's probably between Carla and Dr. Cox for me. I like Carla a lot too. I'm a really big fan of Carla. Especially the second time watching it, I was... I didn't realize how well developed that character was in comparison to some of the other characters. Like, I think she's a better uh, female character than um, Elliot is. Oh, by far. Uh, just because, like, she's completely round. I like that her character changes Turk slightly. Because she's been around the block. She yeah. has experience. Literally, like, I think she's that's, like, older than them, her wiser. line is, like, I'm from the block. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you said She's that. lived a tough life. I yeah. mean, Carla can be bossy mm-hmm. and controlling. But, but she's earned it. Yeah, she has. And also, she's dealing with children. Like, yeah. She is this mother, which may be a weird way to explain a relationship between her and Kirk, but to her and Turk, but mm-hmm. she's the mother to these screaming little kids. And she's like, the only one that's not a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And yet she... Because I think while people like JD and Elliot are smart book wise they don't have common sense yeah 
And Carla, and Carla is smart too. Mm-hmm. But she also has common sense, and you know, mm-hmm. I like the fact that she's seen the ups and downs of being in hospital. She's been there for the highest of the highs and lowest of the lows. Yeah, like, I, mean, I think that, like, in a show like this, as silly as it is, these are people that are dealing with death every day. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, it doesn't really lose sight of that. But anyway, back yeah. to Turk and Carla. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess I'll. I'll just I'll hone in on Carla as my favorite then, and you can yeah. you can you can keep Turk. <laughs> I, I just like like I think Donald Faison is just a charming guy. You know, I wholeheartedly <laughs> believe either he or Doctor Cox should have been the lead instead mm-hmm. of JD, and JD could have been the fun like best friend that doesn't really know what he wants to do. Like I love the fact that like when the show starts off, you think it's like oh it's going to be a show about two single doctors mm-hmm. doing the way, and then like Turk. Turk meets Carla and they treat it as like, oh, it's just going to be a hookup. And then you see that like, it's a little bit more, more than that for both of them. And Carla forces Turk to grow up. He was like, and so much so that he kind of leaves JD behind in a lot of ways where he's in a committed, serious relationship and JD's figuring his life out. Doesn't know what he wants. Like Turk understand, like he knows what he wants to do with surgery. He's like, he like they they present him as a very competent surgeon throughout most of this show. Like there are mm. moments here and there where he struggles, but like I mean, and he even there's that character, the Todd, who's just a complete all the show's crazy archetype. side characters. Yeah, like Hooch. Yeah, but I do like there's one episode with the Todd that I because I don't really like the character. And the, I think is another character that's the Todd. not aged well. Yeah, but there's actually an episode because they would have these episodes called their stories where they would yeah. hone in. Yeah, those on are some of my favorite character. episodes. Yeah, and the story they give the Todd is actually good because it's the first time he has an arc where he's not just you know hitting on women and just yeah, harassing women. I think that episode like he's trying to help Turk from getting getting fired, like keep him yeah. from getting fired because like Turk being as ambitious as his character is, is kind of overstepping his bounds with the chief of uh, surgery and like the Todd kind of who is, you know, presented as a, as an idiot. Yeah. It's not like the show is agreeing with yeah. what he does, <laughs> but it, it like he's presented as an idiot through most of the show. But like once we're in his head, you see that some of his decisions are somewhat calculated and he actually does care about his friend a lot. And like, it, it makes the character, even if it is just very slightly mm-hmm. endearing a little bit. Yeah. Just because you see that, all right, there's more to him than, oh, there's boobs there. Oh, there's a butt there. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm going to, you know, have some innuendo about my penis. Well, I like how they suggest as the show goes on that he's pansexual. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is interesting. I'm, which is, I guess, it makes sense. It was an interesting character. choice and it does, yeah, it didn't, it didn't seem out, outside the realm of possibility for that particular character. So, I think, like, with someone like Doc... It's not that I dislike Dr. Cox as a character. Like, I do like him. I just think that he's a little one-note. Like, the rants are funny. Yeah. His demeanor is funny. Oh, like, he has the best lines by far. Yeah, like, he's very witty, and he's smart, and he's mm-hmm. just very, very snarky. Like, I think the thing I like best about it, though, is that the, the guy who plays Dr. Cox, John C. McGinley, yeah. like... He hasn't been in too much I've seen lately. I guess he does some TV shows I mean, most here Most people know him as Dr. Cox. I didn't know his name for a while. I was always calling him Dr. Cox when I saw he him. He is stuff. like in the late 80s and the 90s. He is the ultimate that guy in movies. Yeah. He's in Platoon. He's in JFK. Is he's in Seven. He's in Office Space. And the thing that makes me laugh is I remember I was watching um, 
my office space DVD came with like a, a, a documentary about the film. Mm-hmm. And then I think I, I saw this clip online of the seven audio commentary mm-hmm. and both the people, both Mike judge who worked on office space and David Fincher who worked on the seven were both like, Oh, John C. McGinley. <laughs> like, and, like, he's not mean. Like, they, like, they liked him. They mm-hmm. met it in the best way possible. They're like, he is, like, the most intense guy I've ever worked with. <laughs> like, he was talking about, like, Mike Judge was saying, like, he comes to work the day he's doing it. It's like, Let's fucking do it. Let's fucking make this movie. Like, they, they both said the same exact thing about him. Where it's like, they liked him. They were like, he is just an incredibly intense guy. Just like, he's just, he's a frat guy. Yeah. Just just a frat guy in a grown man's body. Because he plays pretty much the same character in everything. everything. If in. You, like, yeah. he has these weird verbal tics. Like, he'll say, like, what do you say there, Chief Aruni? And it's like, he says that in, like, three different, three separate things. You know? I will say, in the James Mangold movie Identity, he is a nerdy, quiet, low self-esteem, insecure... <laughs> individual like that wears glass and he's like he's stuttering mm-hmm. so he does play a different part in that, that but that's the only time i that i can think yeah. of that he's not the same character it's like an office space like he's not exactly dr cox but mm-hmm. you can tell that it's just bubbling under the surface like he's this mm-hmm. boring consultant but you know that like he just he has this weird intensity in that movie where it seems like he kind of want to rip. He's he, like, there's like scenes where it feels like he want to rip like the other people's. Well, heads he off. has like this thing he does where he elongates words. Yeah. So he's like, "What would you say you do here?" I love that. Now. Yeah, but it, again, like only he can do that. Um, like when Michael Bolton is, who's clearly not a fan yeah. of the artist Michael Bolton, but when his character Bob tells him that he mm-hmm. is. And just, like, the way that he's talking about it, it's like, if you disagree with me, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, yeah, so, I like, again, like I said, I, I do really like Dr. Cox. I disagree a little bit with the one note. Thing. I think he changes a little. A with l- his l- family, subtle. he changes a little. Yes. Like, we can talk about, like, I like Jordan, too, but I don't yeah. like the fact that they softened her character. I liked when she was just an ice queen. She, she was, but she was more than an ice queen. She was... Yeah. She was vicious. Like, mm-hmm. she... There's that moment where I think, like, all the main characters kind of work together to, like, help someone, like, get the care that they need in the hospital. Like, they even convinced Dr. Kelso to, you know, push some paperwork to help someone out. And they're all kind of just having a celebratory, like, coffee. And then... And I think this is, like, a season finale. And Jordan just comes in and literally tells every little dark secret that everyone was keeping from each other and just mm. destroys everything. And it's just like, my God, woman. And yet she's likable. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, I like Jordan. Like, I like that about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they changed her because they're, you know, Dr. Cox and Jordan are divorced, mm-hmm. or at least they thought that they're divorced. Yeah. But pretty quickly on the show, get back together and have kids. So I think maybe Dr. Cox lightens up. Because Dr. Cox is also another character who had an awful childhood mm-hmm. that we hear about. Yeah. He had a very uh, abusive father who was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So to be a better father to his children. Mm-hmm. But him becoming a father never reflects who he is At in the, the workplace. And I think that a better way to handle that and give it a little more nuance is to lighten his character mm-hmm. a little bit. Now, especially that he's a father and he's learning patience and these other things because he's still the same prick to everybody that yeah he like he's with. still a jerk to jd for sure i i will say they kind of 
and this is the inter- this is what's interesting they kind of make his character becomes friend become friends with Turk a little bit mm-hmm. just because like like I said before Carla is probably the only person that Dr. Cox respects yeah. on the entire show besides Jordan um, and like that's pushing it I don't even know that he necessarily respects Jordan that much but he loves her but he loves her um, but yeah like with Carla Carla was pro- like he there was a sh- there was a point in the show where Dr. Cox is in love with Carla mm-hmm. while she's with Turk um but eventually, like, yeah, once Turk and Carla have their child, so they're now the married couple with a child. Or, no, they have a child. Do they have a child before Dr. Cox and Jordan? No, they have one after. But I think it's that bond of fatherhood, though, too, yeah. that brings them a little And, closer. like, yeah, so, like, as much as JD wants to get close with Dr. Cox, Turk actually is, which is why I repeat, Turk or Dr. Cox probably should have been the lead of the show. But I digress. I also got to bring up, like, I do love Kelso and Ted. Yeah. Oh, like, Ted's Ted great. Ted is so funny. Ted is great, yeah. And it's sad. R.I.P., R. yeah. His, yeah. That actor passed away Sam recently. Sam Lloyd passed away. But Ted is wonderful. Yeah. As just the Charlie Brown of the show. Yeah. The saddest sack <laughs> that you can find. But And even he gets kind of a happy ending at the end of the show. Yeah. But it, it never gets old either. Like, he's a character that's pretty consistent. Granted, like, he's not a main character. He's mm. definitely... I don't know if I'd really call him, like, a side character. Because he's in the show enough that he's in yeah. it, like, every like, episode. Well, yeah, they, they give him a much bigger part. I think it's just because audiences responded to him yeah. so well. And then, like, they give him that barbershop quartet, which is just great. And he could... That, like, I think those, mm. that's that's a real thing. Like, they actually do songs. Um, and they have other songs that they sing besides just on the show. Kelso is just so evil and cantankerous. Yeah. But I like it because he's also funny. Yeah. And the, 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 I think yeah. the cast, like even if I don't necessarily like some of the characters all like the, the time, cast the cast is, is wonderful. Yeah, the cast is pretty, pretty good. All of them are great. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as much as I we hated on Elliot, like I think Sarah Chalk yeah, is I great. Yeah, I think she's well cast for yeah. sure. Um, like I, I always recognize her her voice or her face if she's in anything else like ironically she was in uh how i met your mother she's she also the mom in rick and morty she's great on and rick and morty she, yeah and she's she's in in she's in the medical field in that show as well and she, I, I, she's she's a doctor in in um how i met your mother too. yeah she is she's, for some reason she's typecast as a doctor and this um, show just like it has it has fun side characters mm-hmm. it has 10 million guest stars of people who were super popular in the early 2000s like yeah. Amy Smart and Tara Reid yeah and and Courtney Cox and Brendan Fraser well, we're, we're, we're starting to get back into the, the period of Brendan Fraser thankfully yeah there's the Brendan Fraser renaissance going on I'm, but, I'm okay with it and his arc on that show as Jordan's brother yeah. is, is great it's really good yeah it's one of the most effective episodes of the show and, it, where... and what it does for Dr. Cox's character as well yeah yeah mm-hmm yeah, so I. Oh right, yeah, so can, you want to go? Who's your favorite side character? I like. You said I you like the janitor. Like Kenny, the the tackling. Uh, like I think he's like, uh, like Kenny the tackling Alzheimer's patient or something. Like there's just this random character. Yeah. Who will tag like who am I? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's like, like the, the tackling amnesia patient. I think was what his name is. Yeah, like there. Or there's Hooch. Hooch is funny. Like I like the janitor is up there at the, at a certain. The janitor's kind of a main character though. Yeah, I would consider the janitor. He's part he's of in every cast. episode. I think. Yeah. Um, I get yeah. Well, I get one of my. I do like the Brendan Fraser character. 
a lot just because of the depth of that like the surprising depth of that character like they have this like weird ones like dr beard face Be- it's beard for say yes <laughs> the security guard with the afro with, like leonard the security it's guard like with a, the afro obviously the fake it's like a horror <laughs> but i love that they never bothered to like yeah. fix it they're like nah it's gonna look like a wig every time mm-hmm. which is pretty funny um I actually do like in like the last season, uh, JD is mentoring uh, like the, that uh, female intern. Mm-hmm. I actually really did like that dynamic. Just she be- was the only because that last season tried to introduce a lot of new characters. And yeah, she was the she only, was the one, only that one that worked. worked. Yeah, and that that is Aziz Ansari in the cast. Is, is, is well, yeah, you could hear him a pre-exploding Aziz. Ansari. I mean, he's, he, his voice is very loud on that show. It is. He stands out every time he speaks. But he's not like Tom Haverford on Parks and Rec. This is true, yeah. He's yeah. a little more restrained. <laughs> yeah, well, because you, you gotta... Because JD needs a little bit more space to breathe. Yeah. There's um, only room for one annoying character in these parts. Yeah, plus you got Dr. Cox with his very elongated words and speeches. I guess to me, though, it's like... Because the, the, all their big focus is always the love interest of JD and the love interest of Elliot. And none of them mm-hmm. are ever that interesting. Because when you yeah. think about Keith before... Like, I remember... Because Keith is on So He's Sunny has been the soldier. And he's really funny on that. Mm-hmm. But Keith is just bland, handsome dude. Yeah. And that's all Elliot's boyfriends. And all of JD's love interests are just either some celebrity we managed to wrangle in for like two or three episodes. Mm-hmm. Because the woman that he has um, his child with is Elizabeth Banks, who's great. Yeah. Like, who's wonderful and everything. She's I like her on the show, too. Like, mm-hmm. she definitely screws jd over she fits well in the cast for somebody who's like seemingly just a celebrity plucked out of you kind of wish that things would work out with them despite the fact that she kind of really screwed him over by yeah. telling him that she had a miscarriage and then oh turns out i didn't did they explain exactly why she did that i, I don't necessarily remember maybe she just got cold feet but i think what sucks about it is that it's not like she didn't come back to jd and just be like, I'm sorry I lied to you. He ran into her at a conference, so she was yeah. kind of in a corner like, oh, yeah, I'm still having your kid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, well, she's giving a speech at the at the conference, and she's at, she asks for any questions. And, like, as she does that, she steps out from the podium, and you can see that she's clearly pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so J.D. raises his hand, and he asks, so why would, like, all their dirty laundry just yeah. for the entire conference, which is very J.D., yeah, he's still an asshole about it. He's still yeah. the same person where she starts to fall in love with him. She wants to give him a shot. And yeah. I can understand that JD has severe trust issues with her. Mm-hmm. But telling her the day that their child is born that he doesn't love her is once again like, you're an asshole. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's J. It, like, and I guess you could say it's somewhat admirable that he refuses to lie to a pregnant woman. Yeah. But also it's kind of a dick move because he refuses to lie to a pregnant woman mm-hmm. uh, and like tell her something to make her feel good while she's birthing his child this is not the time to be giving someone this particular piece of news yes but I, you know i said this earlier that i felt like i had clerks like feelings for this but the one thing i'll say is like this is a show for everybody yeah i think anybody can get into this show like mm-hmm. it's sense of humor like it's a little niche, but it's broad enough that like anyone can watch this and mm-hmm. enjoy it and think it's funny. Well, I think there's a character that pretty much anyone can identify with, like the younger yeah. part of the audience will identify with uh, JD and even Turk. Like there's like they're kind of two sides of a coin. It's the man child that 
becomes a man and it's the man child mm-hmm. that stays the man child and then you can even like there's like female characters can or female f- women who are watching the show can identify with characters like Elliot and Carla and then the and then the older character or the older viewers can identify with Dr. Cox and I mean Kelso if you're that <laughs> cynical but well Kelso towards the end that's another character I think Especially in the last season of mm-hmm. the show that they really softened up. That yeah, now they, he's, now they, he's they make him evolve, he's, yeah. I mean, he's still a jackass who cheats on his wife. Yeah. We never see on the show. But he's now this this wise old man that sits in their cafe eating muffins. Because he can't, he can't leave the place that he, that he worked at for so long and he helped build. Well, that one thing I was going to bring up is a, a one side character that I like a lot that we didn't really talk about is Laverne. Laverne, yeah, she's and yeah. They have an arc where like Laverne is an older, wiser Carla. Yeah. Someone who's really been through it all. Or mm. someone who's nothing phases her, but also someone who's very into Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then they have a plot line where she gets into a fatal car accident yeah. and is brain dead and dies, and all these characters having to say goodbye to her, thanking her for being there, mm-hmm. even if she was never a huge character that she's always been this rock. To a lot mm-hmm. of these people just by being there. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a really emotional episode, but I guess they didn't want to get rid of the actor who played her. Mm-hmm. So they replaced her. They, 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 they keep that same actor. And look, I'm glad that she still had a job. Yeah. But considering that she's essentially the same character with a different name mm-hmm. really takes the wind uh, the impact of that story like there's a there's mm-hmm. an episode i really like where dr cox loses three patients in a day mm-hmm. loses it and shows up to work drunk and yeah. is just at home defeated wallowing in self-pity and of all the people that go in to check in on him jd is the one person who snaps him out of it mm-hmm. and they have a nice moment at the end of that episode and you'd think that Dr. Cox would have a little more respect from JD going forward because he was the person that was able to bring him back from the from the edge. Yeah. And the fact that their relationship dynamic doesn't change is frustrating to me. So that's mm-hmm. that's my biggest frustration yeah. watching Scrubs again is that you have these really impactful episodes mm-hmm. and they're powerful to watch and they're moving and you like where the outcome is. You feel like the characters have grown that their mm-hmm. relationships with each other matured and improved. And then we go to the next episode and it feels like the last one never happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like the one thing I will say, and like they make it seem like, Oh, Dr. Cox is, you know, he's giving JD more responsibility because he trusts him more. But the thing that they don't really tell you, and it kind of becomes apparent throughout the course of watching the show is that he kind of always respected JD. Yeah. And he just chose to treat him a certain way. Like, he's hard on him because he believes in him. Yeah. And you, you start to see that because of how he doesn't kind of give anybody else any kind of special treatment. But if there's any, if there's somebody that's by Dr. Cox's side or he's asking to do something, it's JD. And if there's somebody that he gets mad at for not listening to him, it's JD because he expects, because he actually respects him and he wants, he wants him to listen to him because he's, He's and at at certain moments, especially when the hospital's like very booked up and they need all hands on deck. JD's kind of his his go to guy, whether he calls him a little girl's name or not. Like it's always going to be JD. The the problem with that is is that they set all that up in the first season. Yeah, and it never and it changes. Never changes. Yeah, that is very true. Um, 
But the one thing I will say, though, is that because I agree with you where towards the end, I would say around the six or seven season, the show feels aimless mm. and it feels silly. It feels like they've really said all they need to say because mm. there's this one episode in particular. I think that was it's the last episode of the seventh season. And it's this episode of Dr. Cox telling his son a bedtime story using the characters from the hospital. And it mm. is the worst episode of Scrubs, in my opinion. It's it's over the top. It's out of character for certain people. Like You know what's weird is that there's a big arc before that where Kelso retires. Mm-hmm. And that episode was clearly shown out of order because Kelso is still working at the hospital. Yeah, the next yeah, day. yeah. It's just such a bad episode. And it has such a weird, like oddly sad ending. Mm-hmm. It, it's the worst of all worlds. It's really gimmicky. The characters are acting over the top and mm-hmm. also kind of doing things that seem against type for what they would do. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just not funny. Yeah. But when they brought it back for season eight, I think they tried to bring back a little of what they lost, try to bring it back for the first two seasons. It was like, let's better balance out the drama and the comedy. And even if it's not perfect, um, the one thing I'll say about that season is that the finale of the show was really good. Yeah. The finale, I I really and it, it was directed by Zach Braff, I believe, right? Oh, Zach Braff is a director. Let's 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 talk about the finale, and then I want to want to touch on Garden State. Uh, yeah, like the finale does a really good job of like kind of going through all of his experiences. There's that one. There's the hallway scene where he's he's going he's going past all those characters that have passed away mm-hmm. and different like experiences, and like you definitely they all stand out because. Like the the show does do a good job of making very memorable characters mm-hmm. that only show up for one or two episodes. Yeah, and so that scene where he's going through basically all of his past experiences and it's like his last supposed to be his last day at the hospital. It's really, it really feels like it's one of those moments where I'm like, I'm glad I watched all of these because yeah. this moment is is awesome. Where he's watching and his the rest of his life is playing out in front of like a home mm-hmm. movie. It may seem a little. I guess so, like hyperbolic, just to mm-hmm. have this big grandstanding thing, but it works. <laughs> yeah, it works because JD is a person who sees his life in that way, wears his heart on his sleeve, and it gave really good closure to the show, and it wrapped everything up in a nice tight bow. Mm-hmm. I think for people who are invested in that show for eight seasons, it was a great send off, and yeah. it's like this is all we need because we've had, you know, eight seasons worth of shows. Mm-hmm. This is the right way to end it. Um, and then season nine, then they fucked it all up. Like I, I actually have to admit, I have not seen all of season nine because both times I couldn't make it past it's, the first two episodes. It's bad man. And look, I can't blame <laughs> ABC. You know, they I, brought, I <laughs> they brought this show back. Not, not that for the, like, not for, tr- I, I can't blame them for trying. Mm-hmm. because they brought this show back. They clearly spent the money to bring a show back for one season, for a show they knew was only going to last one more season. Yeah. And I think they wanted to reboot it. They wanted to maybe do a Degrassi-type thing where we can keep the premise, but we're going to change the cast. And it didn't work. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was because I don't think JD should have been in it. He's yeah. not in it the whole time, I know. Yeah, they were trying to do the whole past the torch thing. But having the finale where it really seemed like JD grew as a character finally. Yeah, and then to have on, him be the same man child was annoying. With a sweater on. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, I know Turk and Dr. Cox are main cast members of it, and mm-hmm. Dr. Cox seems just as, if not more cruel mm-hmm. to the people than he is in the original series. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, none of the new characters work. Yeah. And that's like, because you have the, the main character who's essentially female JD. Yeah. Like, it, same which personality is, Which seemed like a very missed opportunity because you could have given us a different character there. Like, you could have. You could have given us like a hot shot type of character where they think they're like, you know, the ish and, you know, they're going to, you know, do this. And then maybe they have a moment where their confidence is, you know, hurt in some way because because being a doctor is very hard. And yeah. if you think you know everything and you go and you go into it that way, you're likely going to, you know, fail at something and it's probably going to hurt your pride a little bit. Yeah. So, like, I, I would argue that might have been the better way to go because that's kind of what Turk was. Um, you know, in the original series, so it would have been interesting. Maybe they could do a, a Turk type as the main character, somebody who's you know a little bit more confident, a little bit you know less neurotic than a JD or an Elliot, only to see that kind of you know thrown in their face, and they have to deal with not being the best at something. And that could have been an interesting. And that's just one idea. Like they could, like they shouldn't. First of all, they shouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have made season nine. Like, they changed so many things. I talk about the lighting is very different. It looks yeah. like a soap opera almost. And and they ch- they changed the intro song just enough to make you hate it. Yeah, because like... They make it like a, like a boy band. Or like, yeah, they make it sound like it's in sync singing it or something. Or... So like when Scrubs, like, Sacred Heart is not a nice hospital. Yeah. It's grungy. Mm-hmm. It's run down. Yeah. They're trying to pinch every penny they can mm-hmm. and i like that aesthetic to the show yeah it has a griminess to it and with this one it feels like they're now in a modern medical laboratory well i mean they are in a new medical school that's built but yeah still. well they yeah they they call it now it's a teaching hospital but like yeah so there was the, remember that episode where well where, sacred heart's kind of a teaching hospital too yeah yeah but like i think there's actually like classes this yeah time, like classrooms, classrooms and- um, but like, An actual me- medical school. remember the episode where Elliot was, uh, she was working at a different hospital. Yeah. And the lighting of that hospital reminds me of the lighting of the hospital in the new season, mm-hmm. because that was supposed to be like a nicer hospital. Elliot was getting paid a bit more. That's why she went over there. And yeah, like she had to wear like a, like, yeah, like she had to wear a full, um, like a, a, tr- a lab coat mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Which is interesting. Cause yeah, JD never really has to wear a lab coat throughout the entire series. Which I could have though. Yeah, like, I think the one he, thing I will say maybe he chose not to. But... I do like is I know that the show had a lot of real doctors consult on it, so I know yeah. that with some of the more medical stuff, they tried to make it as realistic as they possibly could. That's cool. that's that's something I will give the show credit is that the world that they live in at that hospital feels very real, despite all the insane, silly stuff happening mm-hmm. around it. Yeah. Is that we know that a lot of this stuff is over exaggerated, mm-hmm. but the drama of what's going on in the hospital, I think they try to make as realistic as possible to keep it respectful to the fact that a hospital is a serious place. Yeah. Like they do have, like, there are a lot of moments where, like, there's a whole plot line going on where it's the silly, ridiculous plot line. Mm-hmm. And then some someone's coding or somebody's you know somebody's about yeah. to die and everybody just clicks into gear and there there it is it is really awesome that 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 happens in the show because it's a nice 
it it brings you back down to earth it lets you know that oh yeah we are in a hospital it isn't just fun and games and yeah we do have the ability to be serious and while these characters are silly they are serious people even if some of them are narcissists and very neurotic and yeah like they they have the ability to be real people when it comes down to it and i think um if there's anything I I think I've kind of discovered as we're talking about this is the the big thing that keeps that holds Scrubs together is the characters and it's the reason that the ninth season fell apart. Mm-hmm. Even if JD and Elliot are annoying characters, there's something about them that keeps you coming back. Yep. The biggest problem with that ninth season is that all of those characters were forgettable. Yeah, like I or just care. hateable. Like Dave Franco, who's been gone on to do great things. way bigger things. Yeah. His character is awful on that show. Well, his character is just douchebag. Yeah. And they're like, that's it. They're like, they, they decided to give him... They, they try to give him a little bit more layers where like he hooks up with the main character and tosses her out, but then... And has re- shoots pictures of her naked body and yeah. starts distributing revenge porn and we're supposed to... But then he feels guilty and decides that she's his girlfriend all of a sudden like that's fucked up it's so i I watched more of more than that season than i would have liked to like here's the thing like you know looking at um scrubs or that newer season there's gonna be dated humor yeah but you look at any comedy show Mm -hmm. from the past like from anything beyond like you know two to three years ago there's gonna be a lot of dated humor in oh yeah it. like it's i've just... been re-watching how i met your mother and there's yeah. some things just like Ugh. not that it's okay but you know yeah. it's just it, it, it comes with the territory mm-hmm. um and but the newer season i think it, it was obvious to them within the first 10 episodes it's like this is not working i mean as far as i'm concerned there's only eight screws only yeah. eight seasons of Scrubs, and then because that night season, I think after eleven or twelve episodes, they're like, it's, "It's done." Because they even call it Scrubs Med School. Like, yeah, I think that's the official title that they give it. Which well, is... they brought back because we were talking about the one character that worked in season eight. I think her name is Denise. Yeah, I think her they character's brought her name back. Doctor Mahoney. Right. Yeah, they brought her back for the night season, mm-hmm. but they made her character worse. Yeah, because like her whole thing is. She's essentially the the polar opposite of JD, which is why she works yeah. so well as like his mentee. Mm-hmm. Because you're expect, especially because the way she talks, and this is before she doesn't need his approval. Exactly, like before she talks, she's or before like she opens up to him, she's talking with a really light voice because that's what a woman's supposed to do in the workplace. Yeah, and then he tells her, to, "Oh, just be yourself," and then she starts talking like her real self, mm-hmm. and she's kind of a lot more like dr cox than she is like jd but she learns to be more compassionate yeah because of yeah. J, which again works well for for that character and yeah. their characters and so it, it's it seems like not that it's wasted potential because again they should not have done season nine no uh i think again like you said it was a perfect send-off for that show it was about as good as it could have gotten. Yeah, to go into extra innings. Like I said, you know, it's a business. They mm-hmm. invested in this. They probably figured, you know, this show has a really young fan base and we can give them something. I mean, at that point, but yeah, the I, fan base was graduating college. Yeah, like for me, or, like already out. after the finale, I was I was kind of ready to move on from Scrubs. Yeah. Because I, I think that's the, like, I liked upon rewatching the show I, I liked it but i also see why i haven't really revisited the show mm-hmm. at all 
until I watched it recently. I can like, you know, I, I named a couple of shows before that I've seen those shows through multiple times. And it's not like those shows don't have their problems or have bad seasons, but the show's sense of humor, the act, like the chemistry between the characters, the evolution of the show. Like, let's let's talk about It's Always Sunny very briefly for a second. <laughs> okay. It's Always Sunny at the beginning is a show that's has like four to five narcissistic assholes. Yeah. The thing that's so great about It's Always Sunny, even if it doesn't have an overarching storyline, mm-hmm. is that that show, every single season, doubles down on the weirdness of the characters. Yeah. Whereas Dennis starts as just a narcissist and an asshole, Dennis is now probably a serial killer. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, a, and like, Charlie is someone who's not very bright and lives in a shade apartment, and, and Charlie and Frank's life as the show goes on is just diving deeper and deeper into yeah. the depths of depravity. Mm-hmm. Like it's a show that doubles down on its premise every single season and comes back with weirder and weirder episodes. Mm-hmm. And when you were watching how I met your mother, I have my problems with that show. But the thing I liked about it is that it felt like watching that show that time passed. Yeah. The characters change. They go through different things in their life. They're at different spots in their life. Mm-hmm. It feels like when a season ends that a year is passing. Mm-hmm. And with Scrubs, eight years pass and it just feels like a, a blur. Yeah, like the only way you can kind of differentiate between the seasons is probably the quality of the camera. Mm-hmm. And like that's kind of... And then the one season where JD has like a, a stubble beard. Yeah. And like that's how you to know it's a that, different season. To show the you that he got older. Yep. He, he's matured now. So watching it, you know, I, I like the show, I think, in smaller doses, because maybe a part of it, too, is that I kind of binged it, mm-hmm. and I had it on in the background sometimes, too, like, paying attention enough, but, you know, I'd seen these episodes enough times when I first watched it that I had the general gist of what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it, but I don't think it's something I'm going to revisit again for a very long time. Yeah, like, I, I think I feel the same way. I mean, the only reason I rewatched it in its entirety is because I wanted to show my girlfriend. Like, uh, yeah. like again, like, it was a, it was a big show for me. Uh, like, I wanted her to experience it and see where parts of my personality come from. Because I, I do, th- like, I quote parts of that show a lot. And, mm-hmm. like, I have, I react to similar situations based on, you know, a lot of situations in that show. So, like, I, I enjoyed my time watching it the second time. Uh, but, I, yeah, again, like, I did start to notice how annoying I found JD and Elliot Mm -hmm. and how much I preferred Turk, Carla and Dr. Cox's characters. Yeah. It, it's just like clerks to me. It meant a lot to me at a certain point in my life. Yeah. It was probably the first cult TV show I got really into. Mm -hmm. I appreciate what it meant to me in my life. I respect it. I think it's held up better than clerks. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise, um, you know, yeah, not much else. To <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. Like otherwise, if, if I know you can't see it, but I'm just kind of shrugging, shrugging his shoulders. Just, yeah. yeah, like the 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 uh, auditory shrug. But I yeah, no, I think, and I I think the reason why, like my perspective has changed is just it's simply based on you know me growing up as a person. So like yeah. when I was younger, yeah, like JD made more sense to me and he was someone I, I identified with more because 
I didn't really know what I wanted out of life. And when you're younger, you, you're a little bit more self-centered and you think the world revolves around you. And then as you grow older, you realize that, no, like there's certain things I need to grow up and having a long-term, you know, relationship isn't a gross, scary thing. And yeah. even marriage isn't a horrifying thing. And getting a, a job that you care about and being passionate about something isn't a horrible thing. And being good at your job is very, like, admirable and... You Being, can have a bromance with your friend. You can have a bromance. Ages. Exactly. Like that. Like JD that. and Turks, oddly. One of my closest friends close in college. Like we, like our, our friendship is a, a mirror image. A lot of the JD uh, Turk relationship, which is kind of interesting. So like, I like, again, like I have that kind of like, it has that special place in my heart. But again, like through periods of my life, I've grown to appreciate certain other characters more than others. And yeah, like, I think that's where I'm at right now where it's just like, I can see why Dr. Cox, Carla and Turk are my, my favorite characters just because you're older. And I'm older and, to them more. and they actually are adults in that show. And yeah. JD is not and JD and like Turk grows up a little bit, but Turk is also a pretty childish character early yeah. on like them living together. It's still just like yeah. two frat bros. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Living in a dorm room together, yeah, with their, their stuffed dog Rowdy. <laughs> uh, the the one last thing I, I'd bring up too is that mm -hmm. uh, they have a podcast together, Zach Braff and Donald Faison. Like, I've noticed mm. something that's popped up a lot during the pandemic is that cast members of old popular shows yeah. are just doing rewatch podcasts of. The shows they were on, like there's Office Ladies, there's Talking Sopranos, there's Darkest Timeline, yeah, with the the people from uh, uh, I think it's the Community. Is it Joel McHale and uh, Ken Jeong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all these people that are rewatching these shows, talking about it, you know. Sometimes we've got because I saw that for um, their podcast, the Scrubs one, they've they've had a lot of the main cast on as guests. So I think that would be interesting to yeah. get. To get John C. McGinley's perspective on what he, what it was like for him to play Doctor Cox. Like, I, haven't, I, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm I'm, I'm interested in checking out one episode. Yeah, and, I'd definitely check it out. And one last thing that we mentioned before too is I think, I think this might make an interesting episode of this podcast down the road is rewatching Garden State because I don't think yeah. I've seen a movie where the opinion on it has turned around so significantly from when the movie came out. When mm -hmm. that movie came out, it was an indie darling. Yeah. And everyone loved that soundtrack and Zach Braff was this mm -hmm. new voice of a generation. Yeah. It's a little indie movie that could and now these days everyone's like that pretentious piece of shit movie <laughs> with its fucking shin soundtrack. <laughs> like have fun exploring the abyss. You too. Yeah. So I, I would want to... I have not... I liked that movie in high school. I have not seen it since then. Yeah, I, I with that movie, I've even when I saw it, I was like, eh. Because I, I was expecting it to be a bit more comical, just because I, I was used to Zach Braff from Were you Scrubs. expecting something to actually happen in the movie? Yeah, too? it was... It's kind of sad and dreary and mm -hmm. boring. And introspective and... Really, just about finding yourself, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yes. but it has iron and wine on the soundtrack, <laughs> man. Don't you like iron and wine? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess in terms of this this episode, you got anything else more to say about Scrubs? Um, 
Not not much. All right. Well, I mean, if that's all you have, that's all I have. And, you know, that's it for this episode of Upon Revisiting. And we'll see you at the next one. All right. Till next time. Eagle. Eagle.